This is the Narrative Shift Podcast, where we talk about faith, justice, race, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Terrence Lester. And I'm Johnny Taylor. And uh, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Narrative Shift Podcast. This is episode four. This week, we are talking about making room in the margins, whereas last week, we talked about um, just why we don't have to fear... Uh, when dealing with people experiencing poverty, but I'm excited for this week. Um, I know Terrence is very excited for this. Yeah, I'm really topic. excited, man. Uh, Terrence, you want to go ahead and hit us off? Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to jump in uh, a little different this week. Wanted to uh, state some interesting facts about how we spend our time uh, because when we think about margin, uh, I don't know what you have that comes to mind, but what comes to mind to me is, is kind of like making space, uh, so we can have, you know, more space in our lives to do more meaningful things, uh, that have purpose. But I wanted to jump us off with, uh, some interesting facts. So here's fact one, uh, you spend 25 years of your life sleeping, uh, when you factor in all of the time that you, uh, may spend doing different things. Uh, so uh, this this quote says that you may end up spending 25 years of your life sleeping. Here's another one. Um, you can spend up to 2.5 years cooking. If you cook, do you cook, John? Yeah, let's come to the next fact. <laughs> I guess that's no. Um, here, here's uh, a crazy fact that may uh, resonate with people who don't like traffic, uh, you actually spend about three months of your life in traffic. Which, if you live in Atlanta, that is three months per year. <laughs> three three months per year. Yeah, Atlanta traffic is crazy. Um, I don't know if you've ever sat in Atlanta traffic, but it is some of the fiercest and upsetting traffic that you'll ever sit in. I mean, just thinking about it, makes me anxious right now yep it kind of gives me road rage but (laughs) go ahead you have road rage bro Eh. atlanta traffic atlanta traffic okay um here's another one um people spend maybe five to six hours on some type of uh technological device uh per day that could be on your phone you know on social media or actually watching tv or something um people spend that much time actually, you know, engaged in some form of technology. What, what do you think about that, man? Man, I could, I can easily see that. I know. So today is Sunday. And even with all my like church busyness, I checked my screen time usage and it was like at two hours and 40 minutes. Just from just, today. Yeah. Just, and just on my phone too. Was that, uh, were you on your like Instagram or you, you on Facebook? Yeah. What, what, what was uh, it? It was different social media. Let's see. I you think. have an Android. So Android yeah. actually has the option. <laughs> I'm joking, but yeah. Yeah. So about probably uh 40% of it was on, <laughs> on Instagram. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Well, screen time for me. Wow. Okay. I'm uh, three hours and 11 minutes, man. Um, but only, I said only, but 
um, an hour and what 43 minutes of that was spent on social networking which is it's a little much it's a lot yeah i mean when you add that type of time up you know day after day that can be a little much per week right i mean you could have read you probably could have finished a whole book in two hours yeah sure man or you could have at least watched a movie yeah for, for sure um here here's one more quote uh that is taken from the odyssey online uh, about 20 surprising facts about how you use your time in your life um it says that you work uh, for about 10.3 years of your life, if you have a job, um, eight hours a day, um, every day, you know, of the week, you know, five or six days a week uh, for 20 or 30 years, that that can add up, you know, some t- some form of work they're saying is 10.3 years of your life. Uh, what, what do you got to say about that, man? Yeah, that's interesting. I almost expected it to be longer because, you know, the average, I think the the average age that people live to at the moment in America is like 80, around 80 years old. Oh, wow. Um, so if you think about it, that's an eighth of your life yeah. that you've been working, which, I mean, if you guess you spend 25 years sleeping. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true because... I don't know where they actually got these stats from. I mean, yeah, I, I just mentioned them because they're they're interesting and kind of quirky little facts that just kind of jog our, our our thoughts about you know how we spend our time every yeah. single day. Yeah, and it makes you realize how, especially with the the sleeping part, like it makes you realize how little time you have because there's no matter what you have to sleep you have to right. you're going to have to spend time sleeping no matter what you do even if you don't have a job or you don't spend any time cooking and eat out all the time like that 25 years is still no matter who you are is still going to be gone from you so it really does make you realize just how what how how finite amount of time you have right yeah and i mean it just brings i guess brings to the forefront like this awareness that every single second is constantly ticking. Like as we were even doing this podcast, man, it's, you know, time is just taken away. It's TikTok right now. Right. And moments that you'll never get back are being spent. Right. And I think especially this year for me, like I've really, um, like a death has become like a really mm. tangible reality. Like I've seen so many people, uh, my age or younger pass away unexpectedly. So it's really become tangible, wow. like how short our time really is. Right. Like you never know. Yeah, I have too, man. Um, yeah, it's it's been really hard, you know, especially, you know, encountering that information on social media. Uh, maybe it's somebody that you went to school with or you bef- befriended or and then suddenly you find out that their life is has ended mm-hmm. and uh the brevity of life within itself just makes you think about you know what are you doing with your dash uh mm-hmm. is is something that I often lift up when I'm talking to people you know what will your dash be known for uh between your born date and your death date um and many of us if we're honest, uh, we can we could pretty much say that we spend a lot of our time, 
you know, uh, kind of designing our dash around some things that don't matter. Um, but as we transition, man, I mean, you, we were just talking before we started this podcast, you, you talked a little bit about something that you've recently done. Uh, you had a trip and you were overseas. Where, where did you go? Yeah, I was in, I've been in Armenia for the past uh, 10 days. 10 days. You spent over there. I spent 10 days. Had you been before? I had. I went back in the fall of 2017 for 10 days as well. Wow. What's in Armenia, man? What's 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 happening over there? What what inspired that? Why did why did you go? Why why did you go previous time? Yeah, so one interesting thing about Armenia is it's actually the first nation to nationally accept Christianity. Oh wow. Um, it was like one of the the first nations that Christianity entered and uh, actually Noah's Ark landed on supposedly on Mount Ararat, which is now in Turkey, but was originally in Armenia. So Christianity is a big part of their heritage. So that was one of the things that drew me was the historic uh, value it held to Christianity. But also, um, well, the first time I went, I was specifically asked to go and shoot film. Um, but I fell in love with it while I was there and made friends and came back this time to uh, visit with a friend and help him with his church plant in downtown Yerevan, which is the capital city. Nice. Yeah. Um, and tell us a little bit about, I mean, your experience over there, man, because, I mean, we're talking about margin, but like, you actually have to have margin in your life to to go over and be able to help people. So what started you to create margin in your life where you could free yourself up to help people? Yeah, so like I said, I I was there for 10 days, so I had to have at least a 10-day margin to be able to do this. And there was also um, financial margin in my life I had to create. Like it's it's not cheap flying 6,000 miles and then staying somewhere for 10 days. Uh, it is costly, but I believe people are important and mm-hmm. I believe people coming to know Jesus is important. Yeah. So that was really what drove me to create margin in my life. Uh, so I could help propel those things to tell people about Jesus and, uh, work in the local church in a different country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but if we're really honest, man, creating margin is really tough for uh, people who lead busy lives. You know, people have just have a lot going on. So, you are you saying that people um, one of the one of the ways in which you prioritize time is based upon your own list of priorities? Would you say that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know I've made. I've made like mission work a priority in my life. And I mean, we do spend our time um, according to our priorities and making margin for other people, unless other people are a priority, we're just not going to create margin for that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I would say, why do you think, uh, just making people a priority is a priority, if if you can answer that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, of course I have 
that reason that is rooted in my faith. Yeah. I mean, of course, Jesus made people a priority. So if I'm trying to be like Jesus, I'm going to have to make people a priority as well. But also, I think beyond, like even just being human, like we are, we are created to connect with others. And when we get so wrapped up in things that keep us away from community and from others, like it, I think it takes so many different tolls on us, like physically, mentally, mm. emotionally. Um, I think we're wired for connection. So if we don't create margin for others in our life, even to the slightest extent, I think we'll start to become ill and dissatisfied with our lives. Mm. And being over there, man, I'm pretty sure that the country is a little different from how American culture and society is. And, you know, I have to ask you, how's margin different overseas than it is than it is in 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 this country? Yeah, for sure. Uh, specifically for Armenia, I almost feel like the the words Armenian and hospitality are almost synonymous. Mm. Like the people over there are so hospitable. We would literally walk down the street and somebody would just invite us into their house. That you didn't know. Didn't even speak the same language. And man, they're not uh, the wealthiest people in the world. A lot of them live in poverty yet mm. they would invite you into their house and give you uh, like food and coffee and whatever they had they would offer it to you and they just made they made margin in their life for others whether it be physically uh creating physical mar- margin with the, their resources or creating margin in their time uh, just welcoming in the stranger wow How, how's that contrasted uh to our country though man Man, you think about things in America and how often do you walk down the street and not even make eye contact with the person across from you? Mm. Like, imagine how little margin it takes to look up and smile at somebody. Yeah. Yeah, we don't even take the time to do that, uh, much less invite a total stranger from a different country into our house and prepare food and coffee for them and just talk. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I would I would really agree, man. Um I think sometimes we are so overwhelmed with what we have going on in our lives and and we're kind of burdened with, um, you know, what has us stressed or what has us anxious or the next thing that we have on our list to probably check off that we can't even have that space in our our lives where we can notice people. Um, Some people do it. And uh, those who of you who do, I mean, great. But the many majority, man, they many people just they don't make space to do things like that. Um, which leads me to a quote that I want to share by Richard uh, Swenson, and he wrote the book called Margin, which is uh, one of the premier books on uh, restoring emotional, physical, financial. Um, and, and rest uh, that we need in our lives. But he says this, he says, we have more things per person than any other nation in history. Closets are full, storage space is used up, and cars can't even fit into garages. Having first imprisoned us with debt, uh, possessions then take over our houses and occupy 
our time. Uh, this begins to sound like an invasion. Everything I own owns me. Why would I want more? And that's the question I want to ask, John. Why, why do we want more? Man, I think I can easily pin that problem on spiritual depravity. Mm. When unpack that, bro. Yeah. So when we don't have, when we're not centered in something more than ourselves, we think we need, we constantly need more of something else. Typically, something tangible like uh, possessions. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, possessions. Uh, the pursuit of some type of success, um, you know, in many instances, is status or power or position. Uh, sometimes it's pride. Uh, it's it's these in you know intangible things that uh, we're in pursuit of, and sometimes tangible things that uh, we're we're hoping to feel some type of vo- void in our lives that to give us more satisfaction. Uh, but like my grandma always says, man, that if you actually achieve something or you obtain something uh, after, after a while, it's going to become old mm-hmm. and you're going to start that pursuit again. And then you're going to find yourself in this constant cycle of trying to uh, fill a void that only uh, the divine can feel. Yeah. And I think we get caught up in self-medicating like, mm. this uh, purposelessness, like this feeling of not having purpose, and we self-medicate that sometimes with the pursuit of stuff and the pursuit of money and mm. even the pursuit of busyness. Like we feel like if we if we constantly produce and we constantly try to attain things, that we that, that somehow gives us like a sense of purpose. Yeah, because it feels good in that in that moment. Right. Like, I mean, you know, like when you when you go to Amazon and you you find something and you add it to your cart and you hit purchase and you're waiting for that shipment to show up. It kind of feels good up until the item gets to your door and then you're like, man, <laughs> I need that fix again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, if we're honest, uh, we've we've all, you know, been a part of that cycle. But I think it's, it takes some intentionality of, of knowing that it is a cycle uh, that, you know, um, we fill up our lives. We fill up our closets, as Dr. Swenson is saying. We fill up our garages. And it's all in pursuit of, you know, taking up margin in many instances so we can feel better about ourselves. But slowly but surely all of those things begin to control us and we become a slave to this constant cycle. Would you, would you say? Yeah, I think so. And, um, man, we just become like a slave to busyness and Mm. the constant pursuit of what's next. And I know one thing that a lot of people in my generation, uh, millennials deal with, it's like the fear of missing out and mm. that's all, real though. Yeah, it is. And always wanting to, I mean, it's always about what's next, what's next and never about being thankful for what we have and, uh, thinking and meditating on what has happened. Hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, I think it was Eugene, uh, Peterson, uh, 
shout out to uh, Eugene Peterson. He passed away not too long ago, but mm-hmm. he wrote this book. Uh, it's a it's a dynamic book. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Um, and it, it, it basically uh, talks about how to stay centered in an instant society. Uh, you know, things that you could, you know, kind of practice in your life to make sure that you're staying grounded as opposed to pursuing uh, more productivity or, you know, more material possessions to kind of fill up the margin in your life. Because what ends up happening, I mean, you talked about being a part of the millennial generation. We're always in pursuit of the next and we're always in pursuit of what we think will bring us joy or in in most cases, happiness. Yeah. And which is, is an illusion uh, in many mm-hmm. instances because, you know, happiness is something that you can, um, if if you only relate happiness to things that you acquire or successes that you have, then uh, in most cases you don't have that internal joy that you need during the hard times because life is not about just having you know cupcakes with sprinkles and you know ice cream with cherries on top all the time. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean. And we all know there's so many things that stuff just can't fix. Mm. Um, but man, like tell me, tell me about how dangerous it is to not have margin in your life. I mean, like, and by dangerous, I mean like, how is this affecting us as humans? Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, man. I mean, think about it. If you have a calendar uh-huh. and you're spread thin, maybe you have a family, <clears throat> maybe you're working uh, tons and tons of hours, maybe you have deadlines, uh, maybe you've piled on some extra activities on top of extra activities, um, you know, and you are just being pulled almost. Almost, if I could give a word picture, have you ever um, seen a plug where it's the power strip and you have all of these cords connected to the power strip and it's cords on top of cords and et cetera? And it, you know, you know, it, it starts to look like overwhelming, like uh, power is being like sucked. Uh, from all of these different sources. Right. I, I kind of like use that as an image of how our lives are sometimes that we're just plugged into too many things mm-hmm. and it ends up draining us. I mean, fuses blow in, yeah. in uh, homes, you know, in fuse boxes by like overloading outlets. Right. And, uh, you know, what I'm asking is you know, what happens when you overload your life and crowd your life? Right. Uh, sometimes it, it, it blows fuses in, in us and in the way that we think maybe we, uh, miss out on, uh, intentionality, uh, being intentional with our time and, and being direct where we can have more, more margin where we can have impact and, and, and live our lives full of purpose. And, you know, there are so many people out there, man, right now, who are spread thin and they're tired. Um, it's caused uh, maybe physical 
unhealthiness and, and, and a lot of emotional unhealthiness. What would you say, man? Yeah, I like that analogy because, man, there's only, <coughs> no matter what, there's only so much power, so much energy, and we, ha- we each have a limit to how many things we can plug in wow. before we're drawn too much. Yeah. There's a limit. Yeah. No matter who you are, there's a limit. Yeah. But you know what's hard, bro? What is that? Is being honest about that limit. Right. Uh, when people say it's okay, you know, one more thing is okay, or, you know, I'm managing right now. And the truth of the matter is that it's not sustainable, uh, you know, because after a while, once you are just kind of like overloaded for um, a while, that's when the breakdown starts to happen. And what we're basically saying that it, it margin equals healthiness. Yeah. That you don't necessarily have to be doing all the things all the time. Um, that, you know, margin gives you opportunity to rest. It gives you an opportunity to be intentional. It gives you an opportunity to uh, pull back and reflect and think about how you want to spend your time and give your efforts to something uh, that can make a difference in the world. Uh, but most importantly, man, it, it connects back to what you were saying earlier. It gives you a, a space to connect with people, uh, which is what we're ultimately talking about today. Um, because there are many people that oftentimes come to me and they say, man, I want to make a difference. I want to I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. But they have no margin. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have any margin, you, you can't be proximate to those who are living on the margins. You can't be proximate to those who are uh, in need because you don't have time or space to be available to be used by God. Mm. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I like how, how you said that. Like you, So many people come up to you and they say they want to change. Yeah. They want to make a change. But they haven't changed. Right. You've got to change to make a change. Like if you don't have margin, then nothing's different. How are you going to make a change if nothing's different? Yeah, I mean, you've you've probably heard uh, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing mm. and expecting different results. Yeah, over like, and over. Yeah, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I think, I mean, if you think you can make a change in the world without making margin, you're insane. Yeah, or at least terribly misguided. Right. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Swenson also says that we live in a world that promotes distance, though. And builds fences and buys locks and doesn't talk on elevators. Uh, But he says, but in God, in Christ, uh, says, come, you know. And I think that's countercultural to what we are accustomed to um, because society promotes, you know, move faster, uh, build, build faster, you know, uh, consume as much as you can. And as little time as you have, uh, and that will satisfy you. But in essence, what it ends up doing is is draining us. And one other thing, too, man, uh, that we have to uh, focus on is, you know, once we are intentional with our time, I think that does create space and freedom. And I want to ask you, man, how can space and freedom be used to, to make an impact and a difference in the lives of people? Yeah, man. I mean, like I mean, like we said, like 
to make change, you have to have, you have to have room, you have to have space, you have to create freedom in your schedule and your budget and um, your mind. Yeah. So without that, creating that, being intentional about creating that space and that freedom, man, you're just not going to have an impact without that. Yeah. You're not going to change anything until you sit down and say, I've got to cut some stuff out and make room for others. Right. Wow. I got to cut some stuff out. That's what you just said. Yeah. Let me, let's pause right here and ask you if you're, you're still listening. Uh, what is it in your life that you may need to cut out? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we can go back up and one quote, or I mean, uh, back up to those interesting facts we shared earlier about yeah. how we spend our lives. One thing you didn't, uh, one of those stats you, you left out was that we spend three to four hours a day sitting on the couch. Wow. And sitting tip- on the couch. Yeah, and typically we're watching TV doing that. Watching TV uh-huh. trying to numb ourselves, right. man, from <laughs> being drained so much. Mm-hmm. And like another one you did uh, share was that we spend five to six hours on some type of technology per day. Yeah. Man, I have something real easy you can cut out. Like cut out your phone time. Yeah. Cut out your TV time. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things that you can trim uh, in your life and, and make room for other things. And and what we're saying is we're not trying to beat anybody up or bash anybody about how they're spending their time, but we're we're asking the question of how can you make use of your time better? Um, what, are, what are things that you can cut out of your life in a way that um, will free you up to to make a difference in the world, especially in the lives of, of other people. And um, when we create that space in our lives, it, it does create freedom. And the freedom feels good, man. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest. You know, uh, we're both in nonprofit work. And uh, sometimes you have long hours, little pay, and you're constantly sacrificing and and giving of yourself uh, to make a difference in the world. And and in no way are we comparing ourselves to anybody else. But, you know, you can have a full schedule. And one of the things that I've adopted over the last couple of years is just having downtimes in my schedule where I can have that freedom just to, to reflect and be uh, to myself and, and rest and have self-care. Uh, sometimes the, f- the freedom in your life is not necessarily just to fill it with something else uh, where you can be active. Sometimes it's just to create space for yourself where you can have healing and recovery and uh, have uh, a charge that happens in your life because you've, you have been drained so much. Would you say, John? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, one uh, Christian writer I really enjoy is Thomas Merton, and he was mm. a... Uh, you know, he was a monk, so yeah, he lived. I love Martin. He uh, he's so insightful and so wise. But one of the big things that he wrote on one of the large topics was um, searching the self, spending mm. time to to really get inside your own head and spend time with your own thoughts. And that is, I think, it's terrifying to a lot of us to. 
Why though, man? Man. Because one of the things that we have here when we ask this question, what does it mean to make room in the margins? Mm -hmm. We talk about health, uh, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. But why is it so hard for us to create that type of margin for self where we can have that silence? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it can be difficult for a lot of us to make margin in our thought lives Mm. because I mean, we we all go through so much in life, and a lot of times, certain emotions can be just too difficult to to deal with, to want yeah. to deal with, and uh, circumstances can be difficult to deal with, and we just want to drown it out with something. Yeah. Like we'll leave on the TV, uh, or we'll listen to music, we'll always have music playing, or we'll have something that will drown out the, sil- the silence so we don't have to be alone with our own thoughts. Yeah, we're, we're basically distracting ourselves, would you say? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not healthy to do that. Like right. We've got to confront every single thought we have. Right. And even give space to uh, God to uh, work in our lives and uh, encourage us to do that, that work that many of us run from. Uh, why do you think we run, though? Um, I think because running is easy. Hmm. I mean, you think... I mean, it's it's oftentimes mental battles that we're yeah. coming up against, and it's so much easier to run than to face those things down. Yeah, yeah, man. I I love this idea right now um, that I'm reading that we have down is uh, we have created a false sense of productivity in our culture and. Sometimes we equate uh, busyness with being successful and being prosperous and being powerful, uh, but I also have this image of my mind in my mind of someone running on a treadmill. Uh, you're doing a lot of stuff, but you aren't really going anywhere. And some of us find ourselves in that position where uh, we think. Productivity is equating success, but in actuality, uh, productivity sometimes is just busyness uh, without purpose. And uh, we've got to figure out how we can be more intentional with our time by creating margin uh, so we can live with purpose. Yeah, I think that's a huge issue. I mean, we oftentimes conflate busyness with purpose. Mm. And we think a full calendar is a full life, but that's not necessarily the case. Oh, man. I'm telling you, because, I mean, man, my calendar is uh, pretty busy at times. And I'll tell you, there there's sometimes where I have to intentionally just say no to things, man. Um, not because they aren't good things, but they're just not the best things for me uh, in in the moment especially in my life. And uh, there was a time in my life where I personally used to just say yes to everything. And I was, I was guilty of that, but I had to, to draw uh, lines uh, and create boundaries where I didn't allow the busyness Mm -hmm. to consume me to the point where I was ineffective. Yeah. And if we're honest, I mean, a lot of times we'll use busyness to, postpone taking that brutally honest inventory of our actual impact. Mm. 
you know, like we will say, I'll just keep scheduling these meetings, keep scheduling all the, all this activity to postpone the, um, the harsh reality of really thinking about like, is, is what I'm doing creating impact? Is it creating change? Mm. Yeah. Because oftentimes it's not. Yeah, man. And I I just think about, um, uh, people who are, you know, kind of like out there living on the streets and who are impoverished and, you know, economically challenged and disadvantaged and how, you know, um, because people are so busy and have very little margin, it's easy to blame, you know, the system or place responsibility of caring for those who are living on the margins on some entity or some, you know, church or, and they kind of excuse themselves. Right. And so, um, you know, as we transition, you know, one of the things that we have to think about is creating margin in our lives so we can make a difference in the lives of, of people who may be less, uh, you know, not not as not as good off as we are, man. Yeah, I know. Many times in my own life, I will be driving down the road and like on the way to work. Yeah, and see somebody with a sign mm. uh, asking for money, and I'll think, well, man, I don't just want to give money because I know that can be it can dehumanize people. Just that meaningless exchange. It's transactional. Yeah, it's transactional and it can be meaningless. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm on the way to work. Like, I don't want to be late. Yeah. I'm just going to drive by. Whereas I should create enough margin in my life. I mean, I drive the same way to work every day and I know there are people every single day I pass who are going to be out there and in reality, I could go to work an hour early and have that margin to where, hey, I could take this person out to lunch before I go to work and still be on time. Man, but that's real practical right there. Yeah. Because, so what you're saying is that you're not changing the actual time that you'll arrive to work, but what right. you're saying is that I'll sacrifice getting up just a tad bit early yeah. because I know I'll pass somebody and that extra time that I, I've sacrificed to get up early will create enough margin in my life to actually make a difference in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things like, you know, like I know I can, like I know I can do it. I know it's that easy, but I mm. don't. Why? I don't know. I think as part of the, like we talked about last week is the fear of the unknown. Like, I mean, it, if we're honest, it can be exhausting mm. um, creating margin, and it's so much easier to just drive by and think, oh, well, I just don't have time, when in reality, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and which is one of the reasons why we started off with uh, some of the interesting facts, uh, you know, four to six hours on so- social media per day. What if you even took one hour out of a week, we have 168 hours in a week, one hour out of a week, um, 30 minutes, you know, on one day and 30 minutes on another day to, to stop and to notice someone and to spend time with someone, even if that, in, if that time included, uh, sharing some information that person might not be privy to. Yeah. I mean, just think of, we had the courage to trade, 
uh, some of the time that we spend doing some of the things that are, you know, you know, taking up time in our lives to actually trade that for being intentional and making a difference in somebody else's life. And it, it's hard, but if you are uh, really passionate about using the time that you've been given by God to uh, be intentional, make a difference in this world before you transition, uh, then you have this idea that you want your dash in between your born date and your death date to, to represent something that will glorify God. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like about like, I mean, we, we only have to like change our actions just a little bit. Like, I don't just know. Just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if we're, you're, not, we're not asking you yeah, to. Yeah, it's not a whole lot. I mean, if throw you're like, away your life. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, like, I personally, like, the first thing I do every morning, it's kind of embarrassing, but when I wake up, like, the first thing I do is I check my phone and I scroll through Instagram and mm. Facebook and then Twitter. And I do too. Yeah, I know so yeah. many people do that. And that probably takes 20, 30 minutes out of my morning. Oh man, what about uh, being in the bathroom with your phone? Yeah, or? yeah, and if like if I just cut that out, like I would have time to to create room for other people. Yeah. Mm. And when you say that, man, one of the things that I, I that really just struck me is someone created room for you, man. That. <laughs> You know, that's conviction right there. Yeah. Yeah. None of us are where we are um, because we're self-made. Right. I mean, I wouldn't be who I am today without people. I mean, not only (laughs) sacrificing time on social media, but sacrificing time with their families. Mm. Like I know the mentors I've had in my life had to sacrifice, you know, dinners with their wives to, Mm. to make room for me. And I wouldn't be where I am without that. Yeah, man. I wouldn't either, man. I I, I told this story uh, probably one time in in uh, to a group and that came through to the Dignity Museum, and uh, I get emotional every time I, I share this. But I had this college professor. Uh, his name was Doctor Joe. Um. I was taking, I was in Bible college at the time and I was taking New Testament survey and I had gone to his school, to the school and man, I go in his class and we're, we're reading through, uh, I think like Hebrews or whatever. And just kind of talking about all the topics, uh, about how, uh, Jesus is greater than, uh, some of the old Testament, uh, pictures, or whatever, and at that time I was about to quit school uh, because I had a car that went out, uh, and transportation is huge, especially when you're impoverished. Uh, if you don't have transportation and you need to get uh, back and forth to work, uh, it can be a challenge, especially if you're working an hourly job, etc. And that's that was me, right? I was uh, young, I was impoverished, and. You know, my transportation had gone out. I had caught a ride to Bible college. But I'm in the class, and this is the night I'm about to tell Dr. Joe, hey, I, I can't do school anymore. I think I'm going to have to drop out because my car is broken down. Uh, I don't know what gave me the courage, but that night I uh, I shared that with him in front of the whole class. 
Uh, he told me to stay after class. Um, so the class ended. He told me to follow him into his office. I, I followed Dr. Joe in his office. And he had this white expedition, man, Ford expedition. Uh, he walks me outside. He grabs his, his car keys or whatever. And he walks me up to the car and he says, I know it's not much, but, you know, I'm going to let you borrow this this truck as long as you need it uh, until you finish school or until you get another car. Um, the guy didn't know me from Adam, man, but he allowed me to use his car for an entire year. And that's how I got through uh, my four-year degree uh, because he, he created that type of margin in his life where he was uh, sacrificial and empowering and all the things that he's supposed to be. And he did that for many other students, man, in different ways. But, man, I just go back to that time and I say, man, just what if he was the person that was just like, okay, (laughs) you know, I probably wouldn't have as much education as I I have now or, you know, who knows, man. Mm -hmm. But that act didn't cost a lot. It was, you know, breathed in the moment and he sacrificed and, uh, you know, Dr. Joe will probably never meet many of the people that have been impacted by the work that we do collectively uh, through our organization. But, man, it's just, I mean, goes to your point, bro. Just a little bit. Just, I mean, maybe you not, may not sacrifice on that level, but you've created enough intentionality and margin in your life where if the opportunity presents itself, uh, that you can be uh, make a difference in somebody's life. You never know. Yeah. And man, that's such an inspiring story. But I feel like so often, like we'll, we'll put that kind of, that kind of margin and that kind of impact that other people have. Like we'll, um, we'll like almost like dictate that to somebody else who we feel has more wealth than we do. But in right. reality, like he wasn't we can't wealthy do that. though. Yeah. Like he probably. I mean, oh man! Did he? I mean, was that like his <laughs> only car, a, or did he have another? I mean, him and his wife had two cars, right? But he he said that he could catch a ride to to school by his wife, man. He, right? He, I mean, but like just uh just being that detached from material possessions, where you could be so attached, where you could just allow it to uh, be a benefit to somebody else, because you have so much privilege in your life where you know that in, in any moment you can have access to a car or somebody can yeah. give you a ride. And man, it, I, I don't know, man, I, I can't even explain exactly why he did that, but I know that it's closely related to living with intentionality and, and living with margin. Yeah. yeah. And there's no way that didn't disrupt his life in some way. Like I mean, oh, you think about it, like, he had two cars. Him and his wife both had a car. He gave his car to you bro, so you could attain education. So he had to schedule out his entire life from that uh, bro. for that year, like, with his wife. Like, he had to match bro. up his schedule. I finished college mm-hmm. <laughs> because of this dude. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because of a car. And it was almost as if he said, which is more valuable? (laughs) A person finishing school or a vehicle that's going to depreciate in value anyway? Man, 
Well, I mean, <laughs> it's bro. Like, I don't I mean, know, man. It's it's. I mean, it's. I I don't even appreciate. I I couldn't appreciate the story until like years later, mm-hmm. like right now, just looking back on it because I. It's just one of those God moments where it's just like this is happening. Like, dude, right. you don't even know me. You're yeah, yeah. I mean, just think about like he literally sacrificed some convenience, right, for your education and like what you've. You've written like seven books now, something like that? Yeah. Man. Yeah, bro. Just think about that. Yeah, bro. Just like a, a, your convenience for a year. Like, yeah. It's not like he couldn't get to where he was going. Like, he just had to spend a little more time thinking about it, like scheduling out of his schedule. Yeah. Man. And, I, and I think about even more practical ways because maybe you can't uh, give a car but maybe you can give a word of advice. Uh, maybe you can pass along information that someone didn't know. Um, maybe you can expose somebody to something that they've never been exposed to. Mm-hmm. I remember when we did our voiceless film, man, when we uh, shot that with a map 16 campaign and put it together. But like, I remember one of the interviews we did with uh, Jay Bailey, where he was like, uh, talking about how if you live in a 10 block radius with concentrated poverty, he was like, how could you dream? You know, yeah. you know, who, who, where, who, how do you dream when you're constantly surrounded in an environment where you're impoverished and you're living in lack? And so he's basically uh, communicating that one of the ways in which people who are uh, lacking access and haven't been exposed to anything outside of uh, being disadvantaged is just to expose them. You know, exposure is, you know, everything. I know there's a quote that says, you know, um, you know, once you stretch a a rubber band, it can never go back to its original size. You know, and, and that's kind of like what exposure does. But you have to have even margin uh, to be a mentor. You have to have margin and space in your life uh, to do some of these impactful things that you could do uh, with the dash that you've been given in between your born date and your death date. Man, that's so good. And that was with uh, James Bailey. That was one of my favorite interviews we did. Oh yeah! Shout out to James, man. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're listening, man, that's such a good interview. Um, and he he's uh, currently re- leading the Rice Center, um, okay. which he's doing phenomenal work uh, with the H.J. Russell family uh, here on the west side of Atlanta, man. So shout out to James. But that was an impactful interview, man. It was yeah. I mean, if anything, like we did, if nothing came out of that campaign, but me listening to that interview with him, man, that impacted me so much. But in this chapter, uh, in this chapter of your book, chapter three, I mean, you're talking about uh, making room in the margins. And man, there was one specific scripture that came to mind reading, reading this, uh, reading this chapter. And that was the first half of James chapter two. Would it be okay if I read that? Yeah, man, go ahead, man. So it says, uh, starting in chapter two, verse one, and this is the voice translation. Uh, it says, my brothers and sisters, I know you've heard this before, but stop playing favorites. Mm. 
Do not try to blend the genuine faith of our glorious Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, with your silly pretentiousness. If an affluent gentleman enters your gathering wearing the finest clothes and priceless jewelry, don't trip over each other trying to welcome him. And if a pennilessness bum crawls into his, um, let's see, uh, crawls in with his shabby clothes and a stench fills the room, don't look away or pretend that you don't notice. Offer him a seat up front next to you. Yeah. If you tell the wealthy man, come sit by me, there's plenty of room, but tell the vagrant, oh, these seats are saved, go over there. Then you'll be judging God's children out of evil motives. Mm. My dear brothers and sisters, listen. God has picked the poor of this world to become unfathomably rich in the faith and ultimately inherit the kingdom, which he has pledged to those who love him. By favoring the rich, you've mocked the poor. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the rich who step on you while you're cl- who you're climbing on the ladder of success? And isn't it the rich who take advantage of you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who aren't they the ones mocking the noble name of our God, the one who's calling us? And man, I don't think it anything speaks more into creating margin in our lives than the way we treat like the margin we do have. Like how often do we take our time that the margin the little margin we do have in our busy lives and spend it with people who are like us or people who are wealthier than us yeah I mean that's most of the time right right like I mean I mean I feel so convicted like I feel that I spend so much of my time um, trying to better myself which in reality, like I, I should spend it with other people who might not necessarily have as much physical or uh, as much physical resources or access to other means such as education or similar things. Like, man, I should be pouring into other people. With yeah, my I mean, bro, like. <laughs> Just think about it. If you if you never consumed another piece of information that you're still ranked in the top percentile in the entire world of how much information you know. I mean, you just came yeah. back from a, a country, man, where uh, people are living impoverished and they don't have access, um, you know, to some of the to some of the things that you have access to. Yeah, man, and now that you mentioned that, like, a few years ago, I felt so convicted just over my ability to read. Like, mm. so much of the world is illiterate. And, wow. man, it's such a privilege being able to read. I'm like, man, when I realized, like, how, how much of the world today can't read, I was like, man, I got I to gotta read more. Like, wow. And I committed to reading, like, at least a book a week. Yeah. Just because, like, we don't realize in America how big of a privilege it is to read something as simple as reading. Yeah. And and for me, man, I I would say the, the contrast, just a a tad bit, you know, I grew up just a, a a little bit different in, in many ways, similar, but like a little bit different and reading for me saves, saves my life in many ways. Um, 
you know, I didn't have many mentors uh, directly, uh, you know, relating to me or giving me information. And I had to use books to mentor me. And so, man, education for me became one of the things that created a path where it expanded my vision, it expanded um, the ways in which I thought. It helped me to develop a philosophy, a way of of cultivating life. I mean, even being exposed to the the text in the Bible and, and things like that helped me to to gain wisdom and 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 develop a, a sound theology um, and a way of of being in the world, man. And I, I think about so many people who don't have the margin to do uh, those types of things. Uh, margin just to consume and have a diet around the things that you listen to, the people that you interact with, and the things that you uh, read and consume. And um, some people don't even create margin just to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and I spend, in the work I do, I spend so much time around people who are still spending the majority of their time like surviving. They're farming for their food. They are, they're walking miles for water and we just don't appreciate the mark, the amount of time, the margin we can create in our lives for learning something as simple as learning. Like Mm. I know I, I go to Haiti a good bit and I think the average education that the Haitian has is around fifth grade. Wow. And so many Haitian people have to drop out of school to uh, start working at a young age. And man, how privileged are we to be able to have education through high school? And then so many of us have education through college Mm. that we just don't have to worry about working. Wow. Something as simple as that. Yeah. Like, we, I mean, we don't think about that as Americans, and it's convicting. It's very convicting, man. It's <laughs> especially when we think about the, the debt crisis uh, in our land around um, people who are seeking education. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, but, like, it's another thing to even go off on a tangent on. But, man, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think what we're trying to communicate uh, in this podcast is is that maybe you may need to have some margin in your life, some margin to pursue purpose, uh, some margin to pursue uh, space and freedom and health, maybe emotional, physical and spiritual health. Um, maybe even having margin in your life um, to recycle what you've learned the education that you've consumed to pass it along to somebody else to make a, a difference in the life of the life of somebody else. Or maybe bro, like you, like you've just stated, maybe it's to create enough margin in your life to, uh, gain wisdom, uh, to see how God wants to grow you in a way, uh, where you can make more of your dash, uh, what's in between your born date and your death date. Yeah, man. I mean, even if you're doing something as simple as like reading a book just to share the insights you learn with somebody else, mm. that's that's impactful for somebody. Yeah. And I want to talk about, uh, I know we're, we're running out of time quickly, but what are some practical steps we can take to make a margin uh, to help others? 
Yeah, the first thing I would I would say is maybe you need to create a get rid list. What are some things that you need to get rid of or or, or stop doing? Uh, You can start with two or three, you know, three to five, whatever it is. Uh, I would say create that list. And then the next thing from that is to set a stop date. Mm. Bro, (laughs) you were, bro, you're convicting me so bad right now, but... uh, Bob Goff, like okay. he speaks into both of those things. Yeah, and, and I know we talk about Bob Goff so much. Yeah, shout uh, out to Bob. But he's he's the best for being real. Yeah, but every every Thursday, Bob tweets out like, "What are you quitting this Thursday?" Wow, like you got to quit something every Thursday. Yeah, and then uh, Bob Goff also has a podcast, and on one episode, he spoke about having a quitting date. Like he said that when he was working at his law firm, he he only um, like his contract. I don't know if it was actually a contract, but it only lasted a year. He said he was going to fire himself every year, and then see if he wanted to do it another year. Like have a wow. he had like a quit date of a year. Wow! In his job, and that I mean, how how many of us do that kind of stuff? Yeah, man. I- that's living with intentionality, man. And what we're saying is, is that maybe you need to to take some steps towards. Uh, I hate to use this term, but having some funerals, hmm. uh, so you can have some new births, right? And so um, that means quitting some things, man. Uh, I, I'll be honest; I'm in the process of uh, quitting a few things myself. Uh, and quitting things isn't always bad. Mm-mm. Sometimes it's necessary, uh, so it provides that freedom for you to start some better things uh, so you can continue to grow and evolve. And uh, you have to have the courage to quit. Yeah, and I think, man, sometimes we have to, to quit good things so we can mm. do the best things. That's right. That, you know, like yeah. just because it's good doesn't mean it's necessarily best. That's right. And a lot of times we can get comfortable in the good mm. when we're called to the best. But man, get uncomfortable. Yeah. But I want I want to know like what you think would happen if we started spending more time building up people instead of attaining more possessions. Yeah. Man, I normally ask people this, man. Would you rather have a million dollars or a million uh, relationships? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Bro, I mean, as an introvert, like, I'm going to take I know a million that would dollars. Be over, yeah, that would be overwhelming. But, bro, right. um, at the end of the day, like you were sharing uh, earlier, and I, I don't know if you want to share this, but you had a friend that... Uh, you were able to record their mother uh, who recently passed. And you said on camera, uh, uh, she shared before she transitioned, you know, many honest and raw and emotional things. And and so, you know, it's in moments like that where you know that money can't recover health, money Mm -hmm. can't, you know, buy certain things. And so the essence of relationships uh, becomes more valuable than the currency that we hold mm-hmm. and value as uh, sacred in our society. And so, 
man, uh, you know, what we're encouraging you to do, I, I think you may agree, uh, John, is to to really create the margin and, and focus on some of the things that are intangible but has uh, more value. Uh, uh that would inform your your priorities and your purpose and your meaning and your space in life. Yeah, man. At the end of life, like, it's not going to matter how much money you made. It's going to matter how many lives you impacted. Mm. And I want to ask you, like, how do you think the world would change if we stopped worrying about making money and started working, worrying about making room in the margins for people who are poor and voiceless and marginalized themselves. Like, what do you think would happen? Like how different would the world be if yeah, like, we cared about, uh, the people who live in Haiti or the people who yeah. are refugees or the people trying to cross the border? Like what? Yeah. Man, I, I, bro, as you were saying that, I'm I'm thinking about Reverend uh, William Barber, that is leading the poor, poor people's campaign right now, um, picking up the mantle of uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, one of the speeches that I just recently listened to, I think he said that, you know, there are thousands of people who die every year from low wages, mm. not because God has called them home. Um, because of poverty, you know, and he he argues that poverty isn't a left or right issue. That's too puny of a language uh, to even uh, wrestle with. What he's saying is it's a moral issue. And so, like, when we think about, uh, you know, some of the injustices that exist in our world around morality, like, if we center ourselves in that, Man, just think of the difference that could be made in correcting some of those moral issues that uh, plague our society today, like uh, poverty, uh, like sex trafficking, uh, like some of uh, uh, the things like, <laughs> man, what many people would disagree with is uh, global warming. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are so many things, uh, climate control, like there's so many issues that we could uh, address if we gave ourselves uh, to those issues. Yeah, and yeah. so many of those issues are just, I mean, the, the reason we, we push back against those is we are so self-centered. And, I mean, I feel like on both sides, like, of that conversation, like, we honestly forget ourselves and we get caught up in the larger picture. But, man, think about how just how much we, we waste in our own lives. Um, just how, how stupid we are. Yeah. When it comes down to it. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to stop being that way. Mm-hmm. We got to think. Yeah. Before, we gotta... I mean, we act and scripture says to take every thought captive, man, I don't care who you are. Um, what religion do you subscribe, uh, subscribe to what, political uh, ideology ideology like you're a part of like man that truth is universal in every way like you have to take every single thought captive like like is this i mean 
is this going to be beneficial to not only myself, but to my neighbor and mm. to my neighbor's neighbor and to the world at large? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Uh, all powerful thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think as we, we close, man, we can uh, both agree that margin would give us space to uh, be intentional with our thoughts or time and the ways in which we uh, give ourselves to making a difference in the world. Yeah. And um, as we close, man, uh, you know, we got to always shout out our social media. So uh, go ahead and, and start, man, this time. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to thank you. If you've, if you've listened this far, I know where this is a bit longer. We're like, at like an hour and 10 minutes about uh but thank you so much for listening uh if it's impacted you in any way like i would encourage you to share on your social media or leave a review on whatever podcast listening platform you listen to um but you can follow me at johnny taylor 95 and that's on all social media and terrence if you want to share your social media yeah, man, you can, uh, first of all, you can subscribe on, you know, uh, the Apple podcast platform, uh, it's narrative shift, uh, by love and walls. And my personal social media is I'm Terrence Lester. That's I M T E R E N C E L E S T E R. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also, you can follow uh, the organization uh, that I started years ago. It's called Love Beyond Walls. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we just started a museum. It's called Dignity Museum. And, man, we got some big news to share uh, here in a bit about where uh, the Dignity Museum is going to be placed in the heart of the city. Mm. Uh, the website is lovebeyondwalls.org. Uh, feel free to look us up, Google us. Uh, we have tons of information all over uh, the web uh, where you can learn more information.